Well, hi everybody. My name's Roger. If you're unaware, I'm one of the leaders of the church here. Uh, we've been thinking about dealing with changing times. And we've been using the life of, of Joseph as an opportunity for us to think through some of what God might be saying to us. Last week, we were thinking about poor Joseph in that sinkhole of the A35 near Puddletown, which I now believe is restored. So whether or not he's still there, I don't know. But thinking about the different pits of despair that we can find ourselves in, being in that hole is not a good place. Dealing with despair. Today we've got as this uh, subject, dealing with success. A subject I know very little about, if truth uh, be told. Don't ever be misled by the fact that people can stand at the front of a, of a church and as if they're somebody, because that's probably not really the case. Let me illustrate why, as I paint a little bit of background to my own uh, life. I wasn't able to eat a banana for my school lunch at infant school because apparently I couldn't open it. I apparently wasn't able to ride a two-wheeler bike until I reached secondary school. I didn't get into the school football team. I couldn't swim until I was a teenager. And in biology, I wrongly labelled the digestive system as the sexual reproductive system of a hen. True story. The first girl I ever asked out said no. It was very much more upsetting than that. Thank you very much indeed. I got kicked out of my uh, one of my A-levels and the other two I failed. I didn't pass my driving test first time, had several pranks in the first few years of driving following and I've been on two speed awareness courses a long time ago, of course. I don't do heights. I can't really understand car engines. I struggle with computers and social media. And if anything goes wrong in the home to do with water or electricity, I've got to get somebody else out to actually deal with that for me. I'm not very good at reading the Bible. I certainly struggle with that one-to-one -one in terms of me and God to pray. Not really uh, that good when you think about it for somebody who's a pastor of a church. But there you go. I've messed up situations, I've made bad decisions, and often feel I'm operating more out of stress than I am from a place of peace. And yet it's down to me to speak on dealing with success. But I can tell you this, I'm generally good with a ball. Whether it's a cricket ball or a football, I'm okay. I can dance okay. I can make a pretty mean curry. And I'm pretty good at wrapping up Christmas presents. So those four things, I think, gives me all the skills that I need to share about this subject today. These are my positive contributions to the world. More importantly, way, way more importantly, I know that God loves me for who I am. I know that he not only loves me, but he's with me. And I know that, incredible though it sounds, this God has even at times chosen to use me to get his word across to other people and to bless other people. And that's incredible. That says more about God and his grace than it does about me. With God, I can't fail. And neither can you. We're going to be looking at very diverse parts of Joseph's life. Starting when he was in his late teens as a slave with nothing. Nothing. 
And then finishing up today when he was about 30 years of, old, uh, of age and had apparently everything, being the equivalent of maybe Prime Minister of Egypt. What was his secret? How did he get success? Because that's the word that is used in Genesis chapter 39 and 41. So if you've not got a Bible already, there's an opportunity for you to put your cup of coffee down and to go and get one. What is success? And is it, if it comes our way, how should we deal with that and respond to that? What does it mean to be successful in God? And are we a success in some ways that at the moment we're completely unaware of? So, without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Val. There's a lot of uh, a lot of verses this morning, so every now and then Val is going to pause to give a pricey of the next part of the story before uh, following onwards. But she's starting off from Genesis chapter 39, beginning at verse 1. Thank you, Val. As we follow the next instalment in the life of Joseph, we're going to read selected verses from chapters 39 to 41, beginning with Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Jesus found favor, Joseph I mean, found favor in his eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except food he ate. Joseph was then wrongly imprisoned as a result of the lies told by Potiphar's wife, when Jesus himself had only acted honourably. Now we go to Genesis chapter 9, 39, verses 20 to 23. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison... The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Chapter 40 describes what happened in prison. There were two other men in Joseph's care, a cupbearer and a baker. One night each had a dream. Their dreams were different, 
but neither knew what their dreams meant. Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. They did so. Joseph was immediately able to interpret their dreams for them. It was good news for the cupbearer, but bad news for the baker. Both dreams came true, exactly as Joseph had interpreted them. Genesis chapter 41 begins with us hearing about Pharaoh also then having a dream. No one can interpret it. It was then that the cupbearer remembered what Joseph had been able to do with his dream. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and we pick up the story from verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. Joseph heard the dream and again immediately was able to interpret it. There would be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of crippling famine. Joseph then continued. Genesis chapter 41, 33 to 46. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used in the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, There is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath Paneah, and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Jesus, Joseph, was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, 
and Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and travelled throughout Egypt. Then we go on to 50 to 52. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Phew! Trust that you've got your uh, Bibles open with you as we're going to be journeying through from uh, chapter 39 and then jumping across to uh, chapter 41. There's a lot in these stories, isn't there? We had a lively uh, discussion and debate as we tend to uh, do yesterday at Cafe Church, which was fantastic. I wonder how you would define success. I'm not going to ask you to call out. We were thinking about that a little bit uh, yesterday. The dictionary says, well, it's a, a degree or measure of succeeding. It could be a favorable or desired outcome or possibly the attainment of wealth, favor or eminence. What is your reflection on that word success? Success has nothing to do with status. That's one of the things that we can see uh, initially from the beginning of chapter 39 when Joseph uh, was given success in everything he did. Joseph, I guess, at the start of chapter 39 would have been one of those people because of what he'd gone through who would have been at the top of our prayer list. We have different people here, don't we, that we pray for. And there's a a particular need that comes in and then we hear about that person. We think, oh, that's awful. We need to make sure we pray for this person or that person. When we look back, as we were doing last week, and think about some of those difficulties that came Joseph's way, he would have been on the top of our prayer list, I'm sure. Remember, he'd been thrown into that deep, dark pit fearing for his life. We know that that's true from a later chapter in Genesis where the brothers look back. And then he's sold into slavery by his own brothers. And then we get this account in chapter 39. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. He lived in the house of of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and he became his attendant. Quite incredible uh, words when we think that this guy that was seeing the Lord's hand upon Joseph was most likely not a believer in the context that we might imagine. So that's quite a stark thing for us to think about. Joseph at that moment in time had nothing materially, yet even before his wealth... Uh, came he was a success the temptation for ourselves is maybe to look at some of the things that developed when he ended up as being second highest in the country and then deducing that that was what it meant to be successful do you feel good about what you have do you feel that you've made it have you reached the top of the ladder are you successful yet tends to be how we or our world would certainly operate wouldn't it that that's that the striving uh, that's put to us even if it's not something from within that's clearly not how god 
determines success. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the verses here that we do so about that sense of success that Joseph experienced even before he had attained or reached that wealthy status. Why did he flourish? Well, verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. That makes all the difference. And so he became successful. We can only just speculate whether or not Joseph uh, had re-given himself to God uh, afresh. Did he recall his dream somewhat? Did he plans? Uh, did he trust that, uh, that God somehow had a, a greater plan for his life? We don't know. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Joseph begins here as being Potiphar's slave. He then maybe becomes his PA and then was in charge of his whole household. Everything succeeded. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. There's that sense of on the inside and on the outside. Both perspectives. He knew success. Why did he get such quick promotion? How had he learned the language? Was it how he maybe transitioned? Was it how hard he worked, his attitude, his honesty, his faithfulness, his problem-solving ability? Maybe some of those, we can guess. Potiphar, though, could see that the Lord was upon him, and he set him above the rest. Whether we're running our own business or are a chief executive or work on the shop floor or maybe as a garage mechanic or, or anything else, God's people should not only stand out, but we have the potential, don't we, to be noticed for being someone who is different. Now, people that are not Christians are very often very, very good people, do lots of worthy things. But there ought to be something in you and I, if we have God's Holy Spirit that we're celebrating today, that makes us different, that bubbles out as being different. Don't expect immediate promotion, by the way, just because somebody may well spot something within you that might look a little bit different and positive. As a church, I wonder how we would discern a success. Well, of course, we can't do a great deal by way of meeting at the moment. Uh, I can remember some years ago uh, reading a book where somebody was saying success for a church is how many attend the prayer meeting. And whether or not he's right or wrong, there's a challenge there, isn't there? We know ourselves those things that we are quick to turn up to and maybe not so quick to turn up to. I think as a church, since we've moved here to Painbury, one of the successes or certainly one of the biggest compliments that we've uh, received when was when I was invited to a meeting. They, they met uh, me here uh, with three uh, town councillors that are based on the uh, Painbury or have responsibility for oversight uh, for Painbury. And I didn't know what their agenda was. I didn't know what their, their motive was. But this was one after the other, the, the three different uh, responses or the three independent responses they each said these words you uh, you being plurality of you not me you have changed people's minds 
about what you're here for and what you're about. And you have made such a difference to the people of Painbury. Now, I had no idea what they were going to be coming out with as an opening line. So to hear that, when we know that our own moving here as a church wasn't greeted with everybody thinking this is going to be fantastic in Painbury, there was some flack that we received. There were some not kind things that were said about us as a church. So to have people from different belief perspectives actually throw in, well, what we're picking up from the people out there is you guys are doing a great job and we want to say thank you. That was pretty incredible, don't you think? More of the same, God. We ought to hope that people see that God is with us. For people who have joined the church here, sometimes that's given as one of the reasons why new members want to join. I could tell as soon as I walked in through the door, one person may well say. Or when I was with you, I could tell that this was a church where there was the presence of God. Whatever it may well be, there's something very positive about that. And it'd be good for us to pray for an ongoing sense of that. You can't hype that up or make that happen. But we can plead with God that that would be people's experience. Both believers coming in, but also those who have no recognition of who God is at all. Uh, Dee, who was uh, celebrating this morning, I can remember when Dee's uh, daughter, Julie, who'd had, let's say, a troubled past, walked into our church at Ackland Road for the first time. She said, as soon as I walked in, I felt hit by God. And within a week, Julie had given her life to Jesus Christ. That wasn't down to the church. It was down to God's grace and his presence and his doing. Don't you want to see more of that? Two of you. I want to see more of that. Are you praying for that? Expecting that? On a day that is Pentecost Sunday where we're remembering God ushering in that sense of his presence and power. Come again, Holy Spirit, to do an incredible work as you did way back in Acts chapter 2. The only way, of course, that people are going to see God is with us, or the most likely way, is through you. Through you, as a group of individuals, because we are his people. We are the church, aren't we? That is an incredible opportunity, as well as maybe a challenge. So success has really nothing to do with status. Success, as we can see from the life of Joseph, uh, can be found or experienced absolutely Anywhere. As a result of gross injustice, Joseph suddenly ends up in prison. Now, I love the way the cartoon uh, glosses over the first few verses in Genesis chapter 39. But if you want to have a a little bit of a spicy read, then do have a look at the uh, sexual passion that was going on through Potiphar's uh, wife. But the narrative highlights a great way to avoid sexual temptation. We're not here uh, to speak about that today, but say no, get out of the situation, run away. That's pretty good, I think, that we can see in terms of how Joseph responded. Now he's in prison. And he must have questioned his dream, mustn't he? Don't you think? Just pause a minute to think about what's, what's happened to him. First of all, he's in this pit. Then he gets sold into to be a slave but then things seem to suddenly be turning a corner oh maybe the dream is somebody gonna work and then all of a sudden he's in prison again 
And not only is he in prison, but he has done nothing wrong. He's actually been a man of integrity, hasn't he? I'm sure I would have questioned that dream. That dream he had about one day, that even his brothers would be bowing down to him. Genesis 39 and verses 20 to 23, just as a reminder. We see there that Joseph's master took him and uh, master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. My um, uh, Bible verse that I was given back in 1984 when I was baptized was the Lord saying, those who honor me, I will honor. And Joseph has proven that true even here in this snapshot of his life, hasn't he? He knew success even in prison, which ought to suggest for ourselves that we can achieve things even in the least likely situations. The difference is having the Lord with us and knowing that. It's this that's the main ingredient for success, not money, not status, not job position or anything else. However much those things sometimes may well well up within us. Not that it's wrong to want to do well or want a particular job, far from it. But in terms of what success is, no. It's not influence, it's not popularity. There's then two years that follow. So Joseph may be turned a corner and things are a little bit better for him, but he is still in prison. There's another dream that then needs interpreting. What would you do if you were Joseph? Think, hang on, look what happened last time. I had, the, I had these dreams. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But no, he doesn't do that, does he? As a result of what had occurred last time. Look where that got him. He could have thought, oh, here's a chance for some recognition. But he doesn't do that either in terms of the interpretation. Joseph demonstrates true success in verse 15, I think. Because when he's questioned about this, he says, well, I cannot do it, but God can. So when the the finger is pointed that, oh, we know someone who can do this, Joseph could have, I'm your man. But no, he's very quick to deflect all of that to the one who he knows has given him that gift. There's a challenge there, isn't there, for ourselves as believers, because we've been given of a whole variety of different spiritual gifts, and I hope that you're using yours. Don't say, well, I haven't been given any gifts, because that makes God's word out to be untrue, because every single believer has been given spiritual gifts. It's not the same as skills, something very different. And there's around about 30 of them at least, but that which God has given to us, when we're sort of put on a little bit of a pedestal or somebody sign, is signposted to us, let's remember the one who has given us the gift in the first place. That's important, isn't it? Joseph does that. 
and points people to God. Success can be found anywhere, but lastly, success has got everything to do with humility. We can see that in these chapters as well. He uses his gift of interpreting dreams while in prison, and then after he gets out. Since Potiphar has a dream, he's then promoted, as he interprets this, to be in charge of all Egypt. And then Pharaoh says these words in verses 39 and 40 of chapter 41. Since God has made this known to you, since God has made this known to you, there is no one so wise and discerning as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I'm wondering maybe if he didn't know before that maybe Potiphar has certainly had it confirmed or discerned that Joseph must have been innocent all the way along. If he actually thought that Joseph was guilty of trying to get off with his wife, actually the the uh, the punishment for that was death. So we need to question why he wasn't killed in the first place. But what a change in 13 years. Joseph being in a pit to Joseph being prime minister. From pit to prime minister. That is quite incredible, isn't it? And it's all as a result of God. A few of you here have been a part of the church here for a lot longer than I have. You will remember the the dark, dingy, old building that we were in. You will remember lower numbers. You'll remember various other things. And it's not a bad thing from time to time to look back to remember where we once were to where we are now. If you're into financial things, and money isn't everything... But 17 years ago, when I came to the church here, the budget for our church then was £10,000 a year. What is it now? Anybody tell me? Was it about 150 grand? is it, or something? That's a bit of a jump, isn't it? And money isn't everything, but is an interesting barometer in just 17 years. Who's done that? Oh, it's not any of us, is it? It's a sense of let's deflect that back to a God who promises to provide, to give and to bless. He's on our case. Let's celebrate that. I wonder if we would still have had Joseph on our prayer list once he became prime minister. It's still important, isn't it? We need to pray for people who have got positions in authority just as much as we pray for people who have got specific needs. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 1 and 2, we read there where Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings, for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. What happens to Joseph challenges us, I think, to think about how we feel about the success of others, maybe others over and above ourselves do we rejoice or do we resent my mind went back to when i left bible college in 1993 and i would have been 29 years of age 
at the time. And the, the Baptist church minister that I went to, to partner with, a guy by the name of Colin Edmondson, lovely godly man, prayerful man, uh, I can remember him sitting me down and saying, look, Roger, I've never really worked in a team before. And that was back in the day where in a Baptist church context there would be uh, the minister and then a group of deacons, probably seven because there were seven called in Acts chapter 6. And Colin said to me a variety of things that I've never forgotten. And as well as him saying that he'd never worked in a team, he then said these words. He said, I want you to know, Roger, that I will never be jealous of your success. I want you to be the best for God and to achieve the most you can for God. I had no idea what he was talking about. As I didn't with several of the other things he said. But when God speaks to you through somebody, you remember those little nuggets and I've never forget, forgotten that. He wasn't wanting himself to be seen as better than me. Our, our skills were very, very different. What a humble guy to give this rookie of 29 who didn't really know diddly squat an opportunity, a bit of profile. Get on out there. Use your, 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 your skills, your gifts. Do your stuff. It's okay. I'm with you. I want you to do well. We need to see more of that, maybe, of ourselves encouraging one another. Do we want to do something great? Or do we want to see God do something great through anybody else? Do we want to see God do something great in our church? Yes, but let's not limit it to our church. There's a, a prayer meeting, Pentecost prayer meeting, for all the churches in the town uh, later on this evening at half past six. It's so easy to be tempted to think, oh, but that's the other churches, and most of them are nothing like ourselves. I mean, it's half past six, I'm glass of wine, piece of chocolate time. Or do we want God's Spirit to come afresh and ignite the ministry and work that they're involved in just as much as we do here? Because it's not all about kingdom stuff and what we want God to do, as opposed to just specifically here. Just want to end by touching on what's recorded in verses 50 and 52, uh, which was just after the difficult bit that, uh, that Val pronounced all those incredible names uh, that I would have probably missed it out, actually, and just used letters uh, by way of, of substitute. So you're a very brave person. Joseph didn't allow success to go to his head. And of course, back in the day, it was very significant what you called your children. There was a reason why names were chosen. If we read back again from verses uh, 50 to 52 in chapter 41, uh, we read there, and I'm not going to read all those uh, those difficult uh, bits, so I'm going to miss out that name, but Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second named Ephraim and said it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God made me forget. That was the name of one of his children. And then God made me fruitful where I suffered. Just let that sink in a little bit. In other words, this is Joseph's testimony, is it not? Through his children. His testimony is that it is God who enables us to forget and it is God who enables us to focus on what fruit has been born over 
and above our own pain. I think that's really powerful if we can catch a hold of that. Some of us need to forget. We need his gift to help us forget. Some of us as well need to be reminded of the good and the fruit that God has done in and through us. And maybe today, he by his grace is going to do that with you and in you. In the message version of Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, we read these words. We can't embrace grace and still hold a grudge. I love that. Maybe true success relates to our being people of grace. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 Reminds us of these words, be kind and compassionate to one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Trust that God would have spoken through his word. Great story, but it's especially great because God speaks through his word. May it be that that which we've needed to hear, we grab hold of and own his truth. Um, two, there was two brief thoughts I wanted to share with you before we pray. Um, Roger did say I could say something if, it, if, if I felt prompted, so I haven't just gone completely loose cannon here. Um, one thing occurred to me as Val was reading, um, there's, sometimes there's things in our life that we think are a mistake or a failure but actually turn out to be a success, even though sometimes we don't know it at the time. Um, it, it just caught my attention that Val a couple of times said the word Jesus instead of the word Joseph. And she may have thought, oh, God, what a mistake. Um, But actually, that just prompted me to think about the parallels between the life of Joseph and the life of Jesus. And it's it's extraordinary when you look at it, when you sort of, you could draw all the lines between the two. Um, And it made me think of how Joseph's life took this downward trajectory, lower and lower from the pit to the dungeon. But then actually, he had a sort of resurrection out of the dungeon afterwards. But how Jesus... He didn't. Uh, he wasn't forced to be a slave or a servant. He chose to be a servant of all and took that downward trajectory into the grave and then out again. Um, so the things we sometimes think are mistakes turn out to be um, promptings for someone else. And the other thing that occurred to me as we think of Pentecost is that we think of those disciples who, on the face of it, seem such an inept bunch, um, and we can see ourselves in their failures. They denied Jesus, they deserted him, they'd run away. Um, and yet, with the power of the Holy Spirit, they, without them, we would not be here today. They were the ones who started the movement of the early church. So um, the Holy Spirit can transform our most inept um, sort of fumblings into things that actually can change the world. So let's, let's pray. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Father God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We do not see Jesus face to face at the moment but we can enjoy the continual presence of the Holy Spirit as our helper, guide, teacher, and encourager. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would teach the disciples and remind them of everything that he had said. 
Lord, our memories are so short and we are so easily distracted by the worries of the world. Please let the refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit blow through our souls again today and remind us of the cause of our joy and our hope. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Father, we bring before you all those who are afraid or in pain or grieving. Help those who don't know how to pray or who lack the strength to do so. Spirit, please turn the tears and sighs of those who suffer into prayers of perfect clarity in the ears of the Father. Lord, we ask for your mercy and help for the people suffering in the conflict in Gaza and Israel. This is one of those situations in which we need the Holy Spirit to help as we don't know how to pray. Forgive us for the times we have turned our attention away in indifference or through a sense of hopelessness that things can never change. Please give wisdom to those who are working to promote peace in this troubled land. Please let the ceasefire hold and protect those who are returning to devastated homes. We also pray for all those who continue to struggle in areas where the pandemic is still spreading rapidly. We pray for the people of India, Brazil, Nepal, Pakistan and many other countries around the world that never feature in our news headlines. We pray for those who have inadequate access to reliable health care or to vaccines. Please give wisdom to those in positions of leadership and let just and compassionate decisions be made, particularly those that will affect the poorest and most vulnerable people on earth. And Lord, we rejoice at the new freedoms we enjoy at the moment. Whilst not taking anything for granted, we thank you for reunions that we can now have with those we've not seen for a long time. And we thank you for the gradual return to something that approaches normal life. Help us all to love one another well and give us wisdom and patience as we move forward together. We offer you all these prayers in the name of Jesus, who loved us, who died for us, and now who lives with us through his spirit. Amen. Thank you, Tabitha, for what you shared in addition to what you prayed as well. Bless you. It's good being open to God to speak to us, isn't it, in the here and now. Thank you very much for coming uh, today and for you who have watched as well. If anybody's got any questions or you'd like to know more about us as a church or about this passage or how maybe God might be speaking to you, then please do get in touch. We would love to hear uh, from you. Val did very well with those long names when Joseph was given uh, a new name. Here's another great name, Zig Zagler. I don't know if you've heard of that name. The late Zig Zagler was one of the most respected modern-day experts, apparently on success, motivation, and leading a balanced life. I know nothing really about him, or I didn't, until I read a brief summary of his book called Born to Win. 
where he argues that success cannot be defined in one sentence, but instead it is, uh, is comprised of many things. One could argue that the definition depends on the individual and that one size does not fit all. He gives 19 different definitions of success. And I thought before Glenn closed in prayer, I would read out those 19 different definitions. Because although these are of secular origin, I know a number of people struggle with that sense of feeling not in a success in anything. And very often that's as a result of ourselves looking around to others and seeing others' successes. And we are not like that or we haven't got that. Here are those 19 different definitions. Not all of them will resonate with you, and that's fine, but a few of them might. It may well be that for some of us you find inspiration, or maybe you're at least encouraged that this is the sort of person you already are, and you are indeed already a success in a particular way. He cites these uh, these 19 different definitions. Success is always doing your best. Setting concrete goals. Having a place to call home, which could be a country, a village, or even a person. Success is understanding the difference between need and want. It is believing you can. It is remembering to balance work with passion. It's taking care of your own needs. Learning that you sometimes have to say no. Success is knowing your life is filled with abundance and seeking to be grateful for that abundance. It's understanding that you cannot keep what you don't give away. It is overcoming fear. It's learning something new every day. It's learning that losing a few battles can help you to win the war. It's loving and being loved back. Success is standing your ground when you believe in something. It is not giving up. It is choosing to celebrate small victories. It's never letting a disability hold you back. Success is understanding that you and you alone control your own destiny. So take responsibility for your actions and their consequences. Bottom line, success can be defined in many different ways. If you're experiencing happiness, love or adventure in this moment, you've probably already found it. So keep it up. Glyn is going to come and close in prayer. So how do you define success? We've had that very worldly look at success. But what we've been talking about today and what we've been hearing about today has been when you get success, do you give God the glory? Do you give it all back to him? Is that how you define success? I don't know. I know I don't. And um, so let's just pray and give that to God and maybe we'll all learn something today. Father God, we thank you for this service today, for being together for having time to be together, for learning from your word and learning about success and about what happened in Joseph's life. Lord, let it sink deep into our hearts that as we go through our week, 
we give you the glory for each little success we have. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today, whether you're here or at home. It's been great to have you. And um, be blessed this week. Enjoy. Enjoy.